and his glory. Amen. Okay, first we're going to have Erica Ward coming, and she's going to welcome everybody today. Good morning. We would like to welcome you to our Marriage and Singles Conference. Feel free to praise the Lord and give him the glory, and hope we, you hope we, we hope you have a great time. Thank you. Next, we will have a scripture by Delisha Finney. Good morning. Our scripture for today will be coming from Colossians, um, second chapter, um, tip verse, and it says, And ye are complete in he who is the, is the, I'm sorry, I should have is it, let me just, I ain't got up here and got nervous. <laughs> Colossians uh, second chapter 10 verse and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power next we will have prayer by Carlton Walker good morning let us pray Father God, we thank you. We praise you, God. We give you the honor. We give you the glory, God, for this is the day that you have made, God, and we shall continue to be glad and rejoice in it today, God. And Father God, we thank you even today, Lord, for this teaching, Lord God, of the Merging Single Conference, Lord, that Apostle's about to go forth. We thank you, Lord, that the word is falling on good ground right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that our hearts are open to receive right now. We bind the spirit of offense right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you that you will have your way in this service even on today lord we thank you lord god for anointing every aspect of it lord god from praise and worship even over to the word god in the name of jesus and we thank you and we give you praise right now for fellowship because the biggest body in the body of christ is fellowship and we thank you for unity god today in the name of jesus and father god we give you glory today, Lord God. And we thank you today. You said everything that has breath, praise the Lord. You said praise ye the Lord. And Father God, we thank you today and we praise you. We give you the honor and we give you the glory, God. And Father God, we thank you that even today we bind the hand of the enemy, God, right now. And we thank you even right now for freedom, God, even in the place today, God. And we give you praise right now and we thank you, Lord, even in advance, God, for everybody being on one accord. And we give you praise right now for this and we declare this, we decree it and we give you praise and honor, Lord, for and we seal this word right now in the name of Jesus with the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for it right now, even in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we will have praise and worship by Jamie and Kim Calston. Hallelujah. I'd like to thank God for this um, Marriage and Singles Conference. I'd like to thank God for um, Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry. God has made a way in our lives, and I know he's making a way in so many others. He has truly blessed us. He blessed me with a good husband here at Miracle Temple. And I thank God for the word because without hearing the word, you're not going to be doers of the word. 
and then you're not going to see the increase in your life. And I wouldn't have never put myself with Jamie. Jamie wouldn't have never put himself with me, but it was God's doing. And I just thank God for him making a way in our lives for hearing him and doing what he would have us to do. And how he continue to bless us and continue to bless you all as we listen and learn the word of God. We just thank God for this ministry. We thank God how Apostle continues to press on in spite of people in spite of things she continued to press on even in this vision with the marriage and singles conference and i just thank god for her i thank god for all of you thank you lord hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus Standing here, not knowing how we'll get through this test, but holding on to faith, you know that everything we need, you supply. You've got this figured out. You're watching us now And when it looks as if we can't win You wrap us in your arms and step in And everything we need you supply You've got this in control and now we know that you made a way when our backs were against the wall and it looked as if it was over you made a way and we're standing here only because you made a way you made a way and now we're here and how and I will get through this test Because of you, nothing, nothing we've done To deserve the love and mercy you shown Your grace was strong enough to lift us up And you made a way When our backs were against the wall and it looked as if it was over You made a way And we're standing here Only because you made a You made a way When our backs were against the wall and it looked as if it was over. You made 
away And we're standing here Only because you made a way Hallelujah Cause you move mountains You cause walls to fall With your power Perform miracles There is nothing That's impossible And we're standing here Only because you made You move mountains You cause walls to fall With your power Perform miracles There is nothing That's impossible And we're standing here Only because you made You move mountains You cause walls to fall With your power Perform miracles There is nothing That's impossible And we're standing here Only because you made And we're standing here Only because you made a way And we're standing here Only because you made a way Made a way You made a way Don't know how but you You made a way Don't know how but you did You You made a way Don't know why but I'm grateful You made a way Don't know why but I'm grateful You made a way Don't know how but you did You made a way Don't know how but you did You made a Because you made a way And we're standing here Only because you made a way And we're standing here Only because you made a way Hallelujah God is worthy He is so worthy. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's a good God. Yes, he is. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never failed me. In all my days, 
I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Let me say that again, hallelujah I love you, Lord For your mercy never failed me In all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good yeah. In every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkness night You are close like no other And I know you as my father I know you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God Come on, let's sing All my life And all my life You have been faithful And all my life, all my life all my life You have been so, so good Yeah In every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God in all my life, in all my life you have been faithful, in all my life, all my life, in all my life you have been so, so good, yeah, in I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid out, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. With my life, with my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running at 
is running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. We give God glory because his goodness is just running after us. It's just running after us. All we have to do is just grab it. It's ours. It's there in the atmosphere. Amen. We're going to have a selection before the word come. Um, audio is going to play a song. And then the next person that you will hear with the spoken word from God above is Apostle Amanda Walker Bryant right after the song.
Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Is everybody ready to hear what God has to say? Carlton has already prayed, so we're just going to go ahead into the word so we can leave at a decent time. I want you, first of all, to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. And I'm going to explain how the theme come about for this conference. Colossians 2, verse 10. This conference is called Single, Saved, and Satisfied. Single, Saved, and Satisfied. Colossians 2.10 says, And because you belong to Christ, you are complete, having everything you need. Christ is the ruler over every other power and authority. That's the easy to read version. That means that, first of all, you start out single. After you're single, then you're saved, you're born again. But once you get born again and get to know who you are, now that you're in Christ, you are satisfied. Meaning that you're complete and you have everything you need in him. So we're going to start out with the single phase first before we hit marriage. Because some people hit marriage and don't even know what single life is about. Because they're trying to get a man or a woman to complete them. And that's not how it starts out. So we're going to start out first with going back to Genesis. We always go back to Genesis, right? Because that's where it begins. In the book of Genesis, when you look at the first um, chapter of the book of Genesis, we see God's creation. We see that it's Elohim, the creator. He's there creating. Not only is he there, but we know that Jesus is there. The word is there. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit was hoovering. The Holy Spirit was waiting on God to speak so things would be put into existence. So we know that there was nothing there. The earth was void. It was empty. There was nothing there. But as God began to speak, things began to come into order where there was chaos. This marriage and singles conference is about um, order the way God want things to be the way God intended for things to be not the way man has it but the way God intended for it to be when you look at how God created everything he called it forth and after he called everything forth and got things like he wanted them to be man was on the sixth day and that's where we're going and I want you to understand why God was doing what he was doing first of all God had a purpose for everything that he created. You were created with purpose. When we look at purpose, it means the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. A purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So God had a purpose for everything that he created. Notice that God created light. He had a purpose for that light. God created darkness. He had a purpose for darkness. God created the animals. He created the sky. Everything he created had a purpose. But when he got to man, let's go to Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And we're talking about purpose here. First of all, you got to understand you were created with purpose. God had a reason for creating you. God said in verse 26, we're familiar with this, but we're going to get a little bit deeper with it. Then God said, let us make humans in our image and likeness. 
and let them rule, have dominion over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, heavens, over the team animals, beasts, livestock, over all the earth, and over all the small crawling animals on the earth. So God took male and female. He said, let us create human beings, that mean male and female, in our image and our likeness. What was God saying about his image and likeness? Go to verse 27. So God created human beings, man, um, which is human beings, humankind, person, or man, in his image, reflecting God's nature, character, and representing him in the world. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. So see, God had a purpose for man and woman, for male and female. He created them to have his nature, to have his characteristic, to have his likeness, meaning that he created them as spirit beings. When we go back to Genesis and see how God created everything, it's so awesome. When God created everything that he created, he created man last. Why? Because God is putting man in the midst of what he created. Everything that man need was right there for man even before he, they were created. Isn't God awesome? You should look at yourself as being special. So we looked at the image. It's it reflecting his character. It's reflecting his um, way of doing things. It's reflecting who God is. So with being single, you want to reflect God. You want to be who he is. How can you be who he is when you don't know him? This is why it takes, uh, takes being born again, being born of God. So when you start your single life, we go back to, I, I want to go back to the parents because I want to make sure I get everything in here. When we reflect his image and his likeness, we're going to do like God does. The only way we can do like God does is get to know who he is now that we are born again. When we look at Jesus in John 14, verse 9, this is what Jesus was telling Philip. Jesus answered, I have been with you a long time now, all this time for so long. Do you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So why do you say, show us the Father? Those disciples were around Jesus for a long time, but they still wanted Jesus to show them the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. That's how it's supposed to be for us. We're supposed to know him and we're supposed to reflect who he is to other people. We're supposed to reveal his glory. This is why it's so important that living a single life, you want to make sure that life reflects who you are in him. That way, when you're around people, they're knowing who you belong to. Some of us want to, you know, get a man, get a woman. We want you know, to be married, we want to do this or do that. But if you don't know your father, which are in heaven, when you don't know what he has given you, when you don't have that completeness in him, I'm here to tell you, nobody will be able to complete you. Nobody will be able to make you happy or do what you think need to be done. This is why we have to start out with that single life with being born again so we can be satisfied, so we can know our completeness is in God and it's not in a man or in a woman. So Jesus was letting them know. He said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So what we have to do, we have to get to know the Father so we can show others the Father through us. And then John five nineteen says, But Jesus answered, I assure you that the Son can do nothing alone. He does only what he sees his Father doing. 
The son does the same thing that the father does. So when you reflect in the father, his character, his likeness, you're going to do what he does. You're not going to do anything outside of him. That's the purpose of this conference, to let people know God's way of doing things, being single and being married and coming together. We want to follow his pattern, not no one else's pattern. And everything that we need to follow is right here in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, chapter 2. So that's what I'm going over. And you're going to see a lot of things in Genesis 1, between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, to help you to understand the way God intended for things to be. And if you focus on his plan, his purpose, his pattern, you won't miss anything. And nobody won't be able to fool you either. Because the more time you spend with the Father being single, I'm telling you, the more time you spend with him, you're not going to let in and everybody be a part of your life. You're not going to be doing anything outside of what you have seen or heard your father doing. This is why Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. Some people are doing things outside of the father because they don't know the father. They don't spend time with the father. They pick up things through parents. Sometimes parents can be wrong. Sometimes parents don't know themselves. Some parents don't know. They just do what they were taught. They raise their children by what, how they were raised. It could be the wrong way. It may not be the way that God um, orchestrated things. So this is why you have to get to know God for yourself. One thing about God is, though, he'll put people in your life, even outside of your parents, that will help you, that will bring you into his way and his way of doing things. And this is what causes division in homes with parents, with children. Because when a child ventures out and they find out it's more than what you taught me. It's more than what you have given me. I found out it's more to marriage. It's more to being single than what I have seen in my own house. So when they venture out and God put people in their lives to put them on the right track. Now don't get me wrong because I'm hearing this in my ear. Every parent is not like that. Some parents start out right. They were raised right. They were raised to do things according to the word. Some parents were not. But we can still get what we need. Through the word of God and through others teaching us from the word of God. So remember, we were created in the image and likeness of God. Meaning that we have his nature, we have his character. We're supposed to reflect him here on this earth. That's the first thing, dealing with a single life. The next thing that God did, he said, I'm going to give you dominion. I'm going to give you the right to rule. So God was not only talking to the male, he was also talking to the female. He said, I'm going to give both of y'all the right to rule. Ruling over what? Ruling over the earth. I want you to rule over what I have created. But remember one thing that God did not say to the male and female. He did not give them the right to rule over each other. This is what you see traditionally in this world today. You see men dominating women. You see women dominating men. That's not how God intended for it to be. We learn these patterns and these things through some man or some Jezebel who think they got a right to be in control. God is the only one that's in control. We follow his command. We follow his way of doing, his way of being. Remember, we're supposed to reflect him. 
So that dominion and rule, you can go to Psalms 115, verse 16. The Bible always backs up what it's saying with the witness. It says in 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth have he given to the children of men. So God has given us the rule over the earth. Whatever gets done on this earth have to come through us. Why? Because God ain't changing his way of doing things. Meaning that's why we have to have a relationship with God to know what God would have to be done here on this earth. If we follow his way of doing things, God is going to open up the heaven and allow it to be here on the earth. This is why the word said, whatever you bind on earth shall be what? Bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Who has to do it first? We have to. But it has to be in alignment with God's word, with his will. His will is his word. His word is his will. So this is why you have to develop that relationship, that connection through fellowship with him, through spending time in the word, being single, being single first. Some of us take um, marriage and um, put being single and say, I want to get married. We're going to go over why some people want to get married. But when you don't know God before you get married, and don't know his way of doing things before you get married. Your, your marriage is going to be in a mess. And people don't believe that. It's, it'll be a touch and go. And still, if you know God, sometimes it is a touch and go. But the more you connect yourself with his way of doing things, you can get through anything. So he has given us rule over the earth, not rule over one another. That was God's intention. Pay attention to this. Male and female was not to rule one another. They were only to rule over the earth. And we're going to get into that a little bit deeper. But so far we have learned that God was showing his way of being and his way of doing, right? So after God did all that, now I want you to see this in Genesis 1.28. This is where we're going. This is where marriage first began. In Genesis 1.28, it says, God bless them. Bless means benefit of becoming one. That's what that means there. God blessed them and said. He blessed them first, gave them the benefit first of becoming one. This is where marriage was instituted by God in Genesis 1.28. He said, have many children and grow in number. Be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and be its master. Subdue it. Rule. Have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the birds in the sky, heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Understand what God did. This is God's pattern, y'all. God blessed them and said. The first thing that God did was bless them. He put a benefit on them of becoming one. There go your marriage right there. They had to be married before they became fruitful and multiplied. I want y'all to catch it. This is why you got to study the word of God and know what God is doing. Marriage was instituted here in Genesis 1.28, but it was by the spirit. This is the way God intended for it to be. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit 
and in what? And in truth. So this is how God brought it together. This was his pattern. He said, I'm blessing you. I'm bestowing a benefit upon you. What is this benefit? For you to become one. For you to become male, um, husband and wife. And after that fact, then you can be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. So God wanted them to do it together. God's whole purpose was one. Being one with the Father. Just as like it's Jesus. It's Jesus and then it's the church. Jesus is the groom, right? And then we're his bride. So we become one. We're one. It's one with Jesus. So that's what God is looking at. All of us becoming one with him. So we see how marriage was instituted in the spirit. This is the way God intend for it to be in the spirit. And you can go to uh, Matthew 19, verse 3 through 8. And this is going to tell you what the Pharisees was talking to Jesus about. Now go over it briefly because they was looking at divorce and we're going to go over that too. And Jesus was telling them how God initially wanted it to be in the beginning. Look at Matthew three nineteen, verse 3 through 8. And I'm going to go to verse 4. Well, let's start at verse 3. Some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and tried to trick him, to trap, to test him. They asked, is it right, lawful, according to the law of Moses, for a man to divorce his wife for any reason he chooses? This is Jesus' answer. Surely you have read in the scriptures when God made the world. He, from the beginning, the creator, made them male and female. And God said, so shall a man will leave his father and mother and be united with, joined to his wife, and the two will become one body. And then he says, so there are no longer two but one. God has joined the two together, so no one should separate them. So what God was saying to hear, whom he have joined, whom he have united. He did that in Genesis 1.28. This is where God instituted marriage. It was from the beginning. This was God's way of being. This was God's way of doing. Guess what we supposed to do? This is why when you are single, you supposed to know how your father is on all of these subjects. You supposed to get to know him, his way of being, his way of doing. How about ladies? I don't know if everybody father has done this or everybody mother has done this, but this is why when you know what marriage is about, when you know what single being single is about, you sharing it with your children. You taking the time to tell them now, baby, don't, don't go for this kind of man. Um, son, don't go for this kind of woman. You, you telling them these kind of things, you telling them in the best way that you know. But when you are in a relationship and having fellowship with the father and you know his way, you can sit down with your children and you won't have anything laying on your heart like, well, maybe I should tell him this or maybe I no. You're so full of God and so full of his way of doing things. When you begin to speak on his behalf, you know and you telling them nothing but truth. You're not adding to it. You're not taking away from it. You're not telling them to do what you done just because you done it that way. You're not telling them to do what your dad, what their dad done. You telling them this is what our father in heaven, this is what he instituted. This is how he wanted to be. 
God in Genesis 1.28, he instituted marriage between a male and a female. Understand what he did. It was between a male and a female. That's God's right way. There is no other way. The Bible does not contradict itself. It takes a male and a female to be fruitful and multiply. And we're going to get into that. See, the world is backwards. The world want to do it the way they think it need to be done. And people are following that pattern to the point of it looks like it is right. That's all you see in. So this is why we have to know truth and we have to know God's way and God's intention of doing things. So Jesus brought correction even when the Pharisees and Sadducees were saying, oh, we can divorce um, our wives for any reason. He said the only reason why this law was put here is because of the hardness of your heart. When your heart is hardened, a heart that's hard, that's made of stone, that heart want to do things the way it want to do it. That heart want to divorce a woman because she's too fat. That heart want to divorce a man because he just ain't no good. That heart want to divorce each other because I'm sick and tired of you. I fell out of love with you. That's a hardened heart. The reason why that heart is so hard is because you're not spending time in the word of God for your heart to be cultivated to Turned over so the love of God, the agape love, unconditional love, regardless of how fat somebody is, regardless of how somebody, you know, don't want to talk to you, you still have the love of God and you know what's right according to God. So Jesus said it was because of the hardness of your heart. This is why Moses was telling you to write a bill of divorcement. But this was not the way God intended for it to be in the beginning. I'm telling you, if you go to the book of Genesis, that first chapter, and you really meditate on the way God intended for it to be, you would see the world is whack. The world is so much out of order. It's not coming into alignment with God. You don't even have to debate with nobody about your way of doing or your way of being. You just do it and you just live it. Because at the end of the day, when you stand before God, you're going to have to answer to him why you did things outside of his word, outside of his will, outside of his way, and why you didn't reflect him while you was here on this earth. So today you cannot leave here and say you do not know God's way for being single, for being married, and for divorce. Because you're going to learn all that today the way God intend for it to be. Amen. So he told them, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish and fill the earth. But he told them, you can only do this being married. Now I want you to notice something. When God... Um, did created the animals and all of this. You know what God did with those animals? God already created male and female. He already filled the earth with them. But when it came to a male and female, the ones that was created in his image, it was only two of them. He said, now I want you to come together as man and wife, and I want you to fill the earth. But the animals, he already made all that he was going to make and he filled the earth and he did tell them to continue filling it. But he did uh, the male and the female differently, the man and the woman. See, we are different, y'all. 
We reflect God. We have to do things the way God will have for us to do it. So we see what God done here. But guess what else God did too? God didn't only remember this is spirit beings. These are spirit beings. These are things the way that God have done them in the spirit. So when you look at um, verse 29, Genesis 1 verse 29, then God does something else. This is God making provision for male and female, for the man and the woman. Now, don't think that God is going to do something and he's going to half do it. He's going to give us everything that we need. Genesis 1:29, expanded Bible. God said, look, I have given you all the plants that have green for seed on the face of the earth and all the trees whose fruit have seed in them. They will be food for you. Isn't that something? God um, gave them everything that they needed beforehand. This is in the spirit, y'all. This is in the spirit. God is a spirit being. We were created in his likeness, being a spirit being first. That's what I want you to grab hold to. He was speaking all of these things spiritually. This is the spirit part of you. Remember I said you have a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. I'm dealing with the spirit part of you right here. Everything that God did in the spirit, he began to tell them what was they already had spiritually. This is why you have to look in the word of God and know who you are in the spirit. The word is your mirror. The word helps you to see and know who you are in the spirit. That's the only way you're going to know who you are. So he made provision for them. So they had everything that they needed because God already told them spiritually. Guess what? They hadn't experienced it yet physically. I want to stop right there. This is where we mess up. When you go into the word of God, that is your spiritual mirror. That is like when you go to the mirror and you look at your face in the mirror, you see yourself. But when you leave that mirror, some of us forget what we saw. How do I know? Because we go back and check again. Is that not right? When the word is your spiritual mirror, we take the word, we're hearing the word. When we begin to do what the word is doing, we reflect in him. People are seeing him and not seeing us. God don't want people to see you. He wants people to see him. The only way people can see him through you is by you getting in the word, that spiritual mirror, knowing who you are now that you're in him. So you have to know by the spirit, not by the flesh. This is why 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. We have to look at who we are spiritually first, y'all. And that comes through the word of God. If you do not go into your word, you're going to be messed up and mixed up. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't go into the word of God, you're going to be messed up and mixed up even though you save and even though you're born again. Some people there get saved, but they live just like they're not saved. But when you get into the word of God and you realize I have a new identity now that I'm in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. You have to live according to the new, not according to the old. The old is done away with. John 6, 63 says this. It is the spirit that gives life. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh 
profits you nothing. He said, it's useless. It counts for nothing. The words I told you are spirit and they give life are from the spirit who gives life. This is why it's so important. When you live in a single life, you want to fuel up on the word of God. You want to fuel up on provision. You want to fuel up on what you have now that you're in Christ. You want to fuel up on he has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You want to fuel up on these things because you don't want nobody else. You don't want to think that nobody else can give you what you already have in him. He need to be the first, first and foremost in your life. God need to be the center. He need to be above everything in your life. And the more you get into the word, that's why the enemy does not want you in the word. The more you get in the word, you're going to see who you really are now that you're in him. The less that you get into the word of God, the more you're going to go after that man or after that woman to please you, to satisfy you with what you think you're missing. See, in Genesis 1... God already told them everything they had. God already took and put everything on, you know, the earth that they needed to live by. But when you don't know these things, you keep going after things because you don't know what you have. That means that you're not satisfied. That means that you don't realize that you're complete in him. So we see that God made everything available. We see according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. This is in your spirit. Everything that I have given you so far is talking about the spirit. It's talking about everything that you have now that you're in him. Amen. That's the spirit. This is what God was showing in Genesis chapter one, y'all. He was revealing the spirit. He was showing them spiritual things. But now this is where we're going to move. Let's go now to Genesis two. See, you don't want to keep moving until you understand what's happening. Genesis 1 was showing them their purpose, the reason why they were created. Genesis 1 was also showing them they were spiritual beings, what they had in the spirit. Now we're going to Genesis 2 and listen to verse 1 and 3. Y'all, this is going to help you from where I'm going. Genesis 2 verse 1 and 3, expanded Bible. So the sky, the heavens, the earth, and all that filled them, their hosts were finished, completed. By the seventh day, God finished, completed the work he had been doing. So he rested or ceased from all his work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it a holy day, consecrated it, set it apart. Because on that day, he rested or ceased from all the work he had done in creating the world. Now, this is what God done. Everything was created. It was the way God wanted it to be. Seven means completion. So God could rest. It was nothing else that needed to be done. Everything that was created, God was not going to go back and create it again. Do y'all hear me? Everything that God created, the sky, the earth, the, the trees, whatever he created, God don't have to go back and do it again. So what am I telling you? When you're living a single life, And you know what God has already done. You can rest in him. You don't have to go out looking for no one or nothing because you know what you have. You can be at rest. You can be at peace because God rested. That's why he set that day apart 
for them to use this as an example for the coming of Jesus Christ. Well, we can rest in him. Well, we don't have to keep. And well, I'm going to go into the days and observing because that'd be another long time. But anyway, that God rested. So he want us to rest in him. So if, if you're single and you get to know your father and you get to know everything you have in him, there's a rest. Because you know everything is complete. There go, you're complete right there. This is why I said single, save, and satisfied. That means I'm complete in him. And all that was right there in chapter 1. So when you go in Genesis chapter 1 and see everything that God has done and everything that God has given you from what he has done, you can be satisfied with being single, save, and satisfied. Because you know what you have and you're not out there trying to look for somebody to complete you, to satisfy you, to give you anything because you know Father knows best. So our dependency, first of all, being single has to be on him. Now, God didn't say that he wanted us to stay single the rest of our lives. Because even in that chapter, he showed us how he wanted male and female to come together in union. He showed us, this is my plan and purpose for them to come together to do what? To fill the earth. But I want you to do it as being married. But before you get married, you got to know what you have in me. So when both of y'all come together, oh, y'all, it's a joy. So that's why you got to know, living a single life, do not rush it. Your father knows best. He know the plan and he know the purpose because you don't want to get with the wrong gal or the wrong guy. Because guess what? God hates divorce. God hates divorce. This is the way God intended for it to be. But it's his way of being and his way of doing. Now, this is where I'm going, y'all. We going now to your soul part of you. I talked about the spirit and the way God set things up in the spirit for them, right? But then God said, I set things up spiritually, but I got to bring that spirit, that supernatural, that super to the natural. I got to bring the spirit to the natural. How am I going to do this? He already knew. You go to Genesis 2, 7. This is what God did. Because everything that God told them in the spirit, he had to bring it naturally. So then the Lord God took the dust from the ground and formed a man from it. And then it says, he breathed, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nose and the man became a living soul. Now here's the soulish part. God took the spirit and he put it in the body and man became a living soul. So guess what? Remember your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So now God has a man on the earth to carry out everything that God had already told him spiritually isn't that awesome you cannot carry out what god wants you to carry out if you don't have his spirit because the spirit of god is what helps you to connect with god to fellowship with god without his spirit you cannot make a connection you cannot fellowship you cannot share or participate in what god has already done you need the spirit so God took his spirit, he put it in a body, man became a living soul. Listen at what Job 33 verse 4 says. The spirit of God have made me and the breath of the almighty has given me life. 
Then the Lord God, the Lord has planted a garden in the east, and he set a place called Eden, and put the man he had formed into it. Even Job knew that. So this is why you got to make a connection with God to know what God is saying. So man became a living soul. That go your mind, your will, and your emotion. So we're dealing with the three-part being now. God took the spirit part of him, put it in a body. Man became a living soul. So now man got to live out what God already shared with him. That's why you need to go into the word of God, get to know you, who you are, so you can live according to him and not according to the world. This is God's pattern. This is his way of doing things. So guess what God did after he did that? Genesis 2.15. We're getting somewhere. Y'all hold on to all of this. <laughs> Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took and put the man in the garden to care for it and work it, to take care of it, to look after it. This was a place called home. I want to tell you ladies something. If a man cannot supply a home for you, why are you with that man? That's not God's order. That's not God's way of doing things. This is why we got to stay in order with God. See, these days and times with the world, a man is living off of a woman because a woman is living off the system. I'm going to help you. A man lives off a woman because a woman live off the system, but this is not how God created it for male and female. He didn't create this for a man. He didn't create this for a woman. God created us to depend on him. To be established according to him. You don't want to get with nobody who's not established. You don't want to be staying with nobody that cannot even know their left from their right. You cannot be staying with nobody that's waiting every time the system say you can get something. This is how you're going to get it. That's not God's way of doing. That's not God's way of being. He told this man. He put him in the garden. But he did not leave that man in the garden doing nothing. Hello. It says the Lord God took and put the man, Adam, in the garden of Eden to care for it. And work. Take care of it. Look after it. So God didn't just put Adam in that garden and say, you know, come on in, take a seat. He had to take care of it. He had to guard it. He had to watch over it. God gave Adam responsibility. He said, this is what I want you to do. A man should have responsibility. A man should know how to work. Of course, they know how to eat. But they should know how to work. We try to raise our children with knowing what to do and how to do it. I remember... The jolly green giant, when he was six or seven, my husband already had him out on the lawnmower. Teaching him how to cut grass. And even inside the home, he always saw me doing what I needed to do in the home. And now, I look at him as a man. He's cooking. He know how to take care of his girls. He know how to cut the yard. He know how to do man. Oh, glory. Thank you, Jesus. So I see how God raised him through us to do stuff. So we're not there. He know how to do with the family. He know how to treat his girls if Quisha's not around. 
He, well, he got to work on the hair part, but he know how to do things because he watched his father. He watched his mother. He watched how his father took care of outside. And if I needed help inside, he helped me. He saw me um, help his father on the outside. We worked together. He saw me cooking. He saw his daddy food on the table when he came in the house. He saw how I allowed his daddy to have rest if he worked overtime. He saw how their clothes was laid out for the whole week. If I was tired, his daddy, come on, he saw these things. So the only thing he know how to do is what he saw. Same thing with my daughter. They saw these things. How did they see such good things? Because the way I was raised with my grandfather and grandmother, grandmother would always tell me, make sure your husband's plate is on the table, fixed. She always told me, I watch how granddaddy, he provided and grandma took and distributed what he, oh my goodness, come on y'all. God set me up, as Rick said, he sought me up. So I had no other way but to teach my children in the way that I was taught. Oh, we're going to get into it. Y'all waking up now. Oh, y'all really going to wake up because I'm going to get into it. Because you got to know the difference. You got to know the difference. You got to know God's way of being and God's way of doing. If you don't, you will mess up a relationship. So we see that what God did. We go to, um, I was here. God put him in the garden. He told the man what he wanted him to do, right? So the man was in that garden. But then this is something else that God did. Genesis 2.18. Listen to what the Lord said. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Remember, God had already instituted marriage in the spirit. Genesis 1.28, marriage was already instituted. God already knew what he was going to do. This was in the spirit. Now it's time for it to happen in the flesh. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper, listen at this, in the sense of a partner, an ally, and it says, who is right for, listen at this, who is right for, is suitable for, corresponds with him. They could not be unequal. They had to be right. That helper had to be right for Adam, had to be suitable For Adam had to correspond with Adam, meaning that that woman had to be saved. (laughs) Had to be. Ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She had to be. So this is what happened. Genesis 2.20. Now we know here that the man gives names to all the animals, to the birds, da-da-da-da-da, but did not have a helper that was right for him. Let me stop right there. God was not going to let Adam intertwine with the animal. He said there was no helper that was right for him. So he knew the animals weren't going to do it. (laughs) So this is what God did in verse 21 and 24. Listen at this. So the Lord God caused the man to sleep very deeply. A deep sleep to fall on the man, Adam, and while he was asleep, God removed one of the man's ribs or sides. Then God closed up the man's skin at the place where he took the rib. The Lord God used the rib from the man to make, to build, construct a woman, and then he brought the woman to the man. 
The woman was already in man. The woman, they were already one right then in the spirit. But God said, I got to make this the flesh part now. He said, it's already done in the spirit. But he said, I got to bring it down here now to make them one flesh. Now look at this. And the man said, now this is someone whose bones came from my bones, whose body came from my body. At last, this is the bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I will call her woman because she was taken out of man. The man will leave the father and the mother. And that means um, in sense of a new primary loyalty too. And be united with his wife and two will become one body flesh. This is being married in the flesh. They were already married in the spirit. But now it became a flesh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Then he said, now listen at this. Eve was formed from the part of the Adam's side. She was of the same stuff as Adam. The same spirit, the same mind, the same essence, and the same divine image, his equal. Remember God said, I got to make a woman that corresponds. I got to bring a woman that's equal to him. How did he do it? Through man, which was Adam. Listen at this. God did not create woman from a man's head. Y'all hear that? That that he should command her. Let me read it again. God did not create a woman from a man's head that he should command her, nor from his feet that she should be his slave but rather from his side that she should be near to his heart. Let me read it again. God did not create a woman from a man's head that he should command her, nor from his feet that, he should be, that she should be a slave, but rather from his side that she should be near to his heart. So we see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, We see what God did. Genesis 1 was dealing with the spirit. God was saying the purpose for everything that he has created. He was given the purpose for man. He was telling man how they were going to be husband and wife. But this took place in the spirit. This is when God instituted marriage. He even showed male and female that they would not rule over each other. That they would rule over the earth. They were equal. One, um, The man didn't have more than the woman. The woman didn't have more than the man. They were equal. So that means male and female, they do not dominate each other. They have, they were equal. Both of them could reign and rule over the earth. Y'all got it? So we got that part. So that's dealing with spirit, soul, and body. So this is where I'm going now, y'all, to share this with you. Remember I told you that God instituted marriage in the beginning, right? In the spirit. This was God's way of doing. This was God's pattern. Then God showed his way of doing once he created the man, right? He created the man from the dust of the ground. What did he do? The woman come from his side. And then this is what happened. Now they're ready to procreate in the flesh. It was already done in the spirit. Okay? Because they were already married. God already instituted. So the next part that I'm going to talk about is sex. So we'll know what God wants, okay? Now, go back to Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, this is what I said before. God gave them a benefit of coming together, 
of filling the earth. This benefit was to be done as what? As husband and, and wife. So one part of sex is to procreate, is to fill the earth. But it's done between a husband and a wife. It's done between a husband and a wife. There's no other way. That's the only way that God instituted that is between a husband and a wife. It ain't between no boyfriend and girlfriend. Actually, sex was not allowed, not unless you were married. That's God's way. That's truth. That's what the words say. So some people saying, well, if he loved me, we're going to get to that. So let's look at this. This is what the man said. Now, this is someone whose bones came from my bones. Adam recognized that they were one at this point. So being that they were one, they could come together because they were what? They were married. Look at Hebrews 13 verse 4. Hebrews 13 verse 4. See, the word is going to back it up, but you got to understand what the word is saying. Marriage should be honored by everyone. And husbands and wives should keep their marriage. The marriage bed should be kept pure, undefiled. God would judge as guilty, judge those who take part in sexual sins. The sexual, immoral, and adulterous. This is what this verse is saying. Now, I went over how when you live your single life, male and female, God should be first and foremost in your life. You should have a relationship with God so when you go into a marriage, you're going to go into that marriage the right way. When you go into that marriage, women, you should be virgins. You shouldn't have been sleeping around with every man. Let me explain what happens when you sleep around with every man before you get married. That's called fornication. That's having sex before marriage. When you sleep around with a lot of women, with a lot of men, when you marry that special someone in your life, they will never be able to satisfy you. Why? Because when you have all these other experiences with all these men and all these women, you're not satisfied with the one you're with because of all the acts you went through with all these people. That one ain't going to do you like that one. You having backlashes. It, it ain't like it was with this one. It ain't like it was with that one. Or you calling them Mary and you with Sue. It's consequences behind all this. And when you sleep around like that, you bring in those people in your bed. That means you got, if you slept around a hundred times, you got a hundred women between you and your wife. You got a hundred men between you and your husband. You, you got them in the bed with you. You having experiences with your wife that you had with somebody else. So she's not really whom you want to be with, but you're with her. Okay. So when you're married, that married bed does not supposed to be defiled. It's supposed to be undefiled. That's what that scripture means. Do you know what some people take that scripture to say? Whatever goes on in a married couple bedroom stays in that married couple bedroom. We're going to get to that. That ain't what that says. That means if you're married, you do not bring adultery in your bedroom, in your bed. You don't bring another man or another woman in your bed. That means that it is defiled. Let's talk about dealing with these sexual acts now. What is more right and proper and what is not? Many people came into marriage from a worldly background. 
that promotes anything goes when it comes to approaching sex. People have brought the world, Christian folks, into their marriage, into their bedroom. And this is the thing. Listen at this. These are some of the things that they have bought in their bedrooms. Masturbation, oral sex, anal sex, group sex, pornography, homosexuality, bestiality, and sexual feelings uh, directed towards children. They have bought that in their bedroom. Let me say them again. Masturbation, oral sex, anal sex, group sex, pornography, homosexuality, bestiality, and sex, sexual feelings towards children. They have bought that in their bedroom because guess what? You were once in the world. You observe the things that the world does. Matter of fact, some fathers have watched pornography with their children. Put the sex tape on and they're watching them with their boys and telling them, now this is how you do it, boy. Some children have been um, hanging around other children that have showed them some things that they were doing or trying to do. And they brought that into their mind. This is why when you get born again, your mind has to be washed with the word. You have to know what God says and how, then the way God would want things to be done. This is what I want to show you something. Can I have my monkey? Sitting right there. Uh-huh. When we talk about oral sex, who eats the banana? Do it look normal in that monkey's mouth? You're not a monkey. Women, you are not a monkey. If it's so normal, if somebody walked in, what would you do? We're going to get deep on it. Some people say, how can she talk about this? Because it needs to be talked about. People are not talking about Matter of fact, I was sharing with Apostle. I ran across an article, not that I was looking it up. A preacher, not calling the preacher's name, said... That Christian people, if you're married, you should have oral sex. It's part of God's plan. That's what he was feeding his congregation. That's not what God created it for, men. Why would God want something that nasty to go in somebody's mouth? Oh, I feel something in the room. Now y'all up for good. Some of you want to go up under the chair. Some of you want to say, now, just hush, just hush. You done said enough. Don't say no more. These things, now listen at this. God created everything to fit in its proper place. Anything that goes beyond what God intended, it is called perversion. Let me tell you what perversion is. The abuse misuse or misrepresentation of the original purpose of a thing i went over purpose didn't i and it showed when a man and woman come together guess what when they come together y'all know what i mean by coming together this the male this the female when they lock up have y'all ever seen dogs lock up i ain't calling you no dog you see in one body there locked 
right? This is what consummate a marriage right here. Coming together. Read your Bible. And see how Adam, not Adam, but Joseph and Mary. Remember Mary was betrothed. They knew that Joseph was already her husband. But to make that reality, they had to come together, right? So this is why Joseph was so upset and wanted to get rid of Mary. Because he seen Mary coming back from Elizabeth's house big as a tick. And he know he didn't put that in there. So Joseph was mad. But God had to calm Joseph down and let him know that Mary was carrying a seed that was coming from him. That was coming from the Holy Ghost. So see, he, had, he couldn't even mess with Mary until after the Savior was born. Then they had children. Then they, they came together. They were husband and they were wife. But in the spirit... They were already husband and they were already wife. Amen. So perversion is the abuse, misuse, a misrepresentation of the original purpose of a thing. That's not what God intended for a man to use that for, to put it in a woman's mouth. He did not. He did not intend for a man's face to be between a woman's legs. He did not. He did not intend for anal sex to be that way. Everybody know this. He did not intend for a man to be messing with a dog or a horse. Now, I just heard just recently, this lady told me that this woman wanted to have a counseling session with her. She was the pastor. And the Lord informed her, he said, bring in the elders in this counseling session because it was going to be her and her husband. And the woman said, I'm, I'm not comfortable with all y'all being in here. She said, well, this is how it has to be. So she being obedient. So she asked the woman, she said, so what is so horrific? What, what do you want to talk about? She said to this pastor, she said, my husband have sex with our dogs. She said, I can't take it no more. I can't live like this. This is a true story. She looked at the husband and, and asked him, he said, yes, I do. Cause I enjoy it. And I've been doing it since I was a little. So he made up his mind, this is what I do, this is what seemed normal, and I'm not going to stop doing it. So where was his heart? It was messed up, toe up, from the get up. So this is why when it comes to things like this, we have to make sure as parents, y'all, this is why we have to know God's way of doing things. There's even incest, where Sisters and brothers coming together. Cousins coming together. People say, well, they way off cousin. They ain't part of me. They way, way. Then you start counting. If you start counting on your hand, leave them alone. If you got to sit there and count it up, just leave it alone. Come on, be for real. Because these are, this is why so many things are happening with people mindsets. And then they, it, it become normal. When stuff become normal with people doing all these acts, it grows up within the family. Then the children start mimicking what they heard or what somebody else said. This is why we have to let people know what the word of God is saying outside of how people feel. We can't go on our feelings. We can't. That banana probably is good to that monkey, but that belonged to that monkey. All these acts probably feel good to people, but afterwards, where's your heart? Do you feel condemned? Do you feel nasty? That ain't God. God ain't about condemning you. 
He ain't about you feeling a certain that way after this is done. You feel good while it's getting done, but, the, but if you do it long enough, you're feeling, oh, this is, this is the way it should go. Man, and people brag on it, have bragging rights on this stuff. That's not what God intended. This is what you got to ask. Does it edify? This was so funny because when I got to this part here, the Holy Spirit, God had me laughing. He said, some people say, yeah, it does. Edify means to build up something. Yeah, it does. Or to strengthen it or to tear it down. First Corinthians 1, 23 through 24 says, listen at this, expanded Bible. We are allowed to do all things. All things are lawful, permissible, but not all things are good for us to do. Profitable, beneficial. We are allowed to do all things. All things are lawful, permissible, but not all things helps others grow stronger, build up. And then it goes, do not look out only for yourselves. Look out for the good of others. So when it comes to Dealing with a man and a woman coming together is not only to procreate, but it is for pleasure. It is for joy. But there's a way when it comes to this pleasure and this joy, and it's not what the world is doing, y'all. If you were taught this way, that is not right. That's not what God created it to, to be for. He has given us, let me read it again. God created everything to fit its proper place. Anything that goes beyond what God intended is called perversion. Do not let a man, women, tell you if you love me, you would do this for me. They don't love you to have you to do this. Do not let a woman, men, tell you if you love me, you would do this. I'm your candy apple. No. That's not what God intended for it to be. We want to do things the way God intended for it to be and gadgets thank you holy spirit some people say well i can use my gadgets and stay single the rest of my life <laughs> that's not what god intended for it to be that's not the way god intended for you to have gadgets in your trunk i remember this young lady um years years ago i was talking to her and i'm going to the homosexuality part she came to me Lord knows why did she come to me. But I felt like she needed somebody she needed to talk to. But Lord knows why did it have to be me. She came to me and she told me. She said, I want to tell you something. She said, you know, I'm a lesbian. I said, huh? I'm saying, huh? Now, y'all, I ain't hear about all these terms and stuff. So I guess she looked at me kind of funny when I'm like, huh? So she told me. She said, I like women. I said, okay. Then I'm saying, that ain't right. She said, um, I wanted you to know, being that you're my boss, I'm like, how that supposed to benefit me? Because I know you ain't, uh-uh. But anyway, I said, wisdom told me to tell her. Now, you do not tell anybody that in this office. But then the Lord got me. He said, I want you to sit down with her, and I want you to go through the word, and I want you to show her what the word is saying. So I did that. Y'all, I got happy. She said, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to take those scriptures. And she said, I'm going to come back and get back with you. I said, okay. So she came back to me. She said, I read over the scriptures and God was talking to me. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. She said, God told me that's the way he created me to be. I said, the devil is a lie. I said, that's not part of God's creation. This is why you have to know what the word of God is saying. 
This is why I went through Genesis, male and female. He told male and female to come together and procreate. He didn't tell male and male. He didn't tell female and female. He did not. That's not his word. Some people say you should leave that alone. But if you're a part of him and he's a part of you, you want to tell people truth regardless if they receive it or not. Regardless if they choose to be that way, you told them what the word says. Amen. Because God still loved them. So I shared that with her. And this chick was so comfortable in what she does. She told me, I got my gadgets in the car. You want to see them? I said, what I want to see them for? And why are you hauling gadgets in your car? Because you never know when. She was really perverted. She was really messed up. But the Lord showed me where it came from. And I want to go there. She had something to happen to her in her childhood that was so devastating. That she felt more comfortable with a woman than she felt with a man. So through the years, her mindset was so much on what she went through that when she got around men, it was different. But when she got around women, she felt so comfortable. So that was her resting place. She never shared it with nobody. But guess what? The Lord allowed her to share it to me. And I gave her what the word said. What did I do? I planted. Somebody's going to water. God to give the increase. So this is what we have to do. We have to know what the word is saying. So when somebody bring us this, we don't just smile at them. I know that's right. No, that ain't right. You tell them what the word of God says. We want to give people God's way of doing and God's way of being. So when we stand before God, we did what he had for us to do. Amen. So we look at, we looked at that part and how things should be. Dealing with the sexual part. I'm not going to go into it anymore because I can, but I'm not. We're going to leave it there because some people say, move on, move on. Is that's nothing to be ashamed of. God created this, but we have to do it the way God would have us to do it. Amen. So let's look at submission in marriage. Submission in marriage. Now listen at this. In the beginning, I went over this. God gave male and female dominion over the earth to rule it what? Together. They enjoyed a marriage. They were the equal partner sharing equal rights and responsibilities. They walked in open and continued fellowship with God and with, with each other. That's how God intended for it to be. God was in the center of that marriage. Sin broke the fellowship with God and broke the fellowship with each other and caused their equal partnership with the woman being under control of her husband. And then Jesus died on the cross, breaking the power of sin and its effects. So let's go into dealing with submission. A husband. This is why I'm going, I'm I'm dealing with marriage now. A husband should act like Jesus. Why? Submission. Let me tell you what submission means. Putting the needs, the rights, and the welfare of another person ahead of our own. The willingness to give up the rights to ourselves, to freely surrender on having our own way all the time. What am I saying about this? This is why I said being single, we should already have given up ourselves. We're not making it about us no more. We're making it about God. If you go into a marriage, making it always about you. Always about how you feel. Always about what you want. Going into that marriage selfish then that woman or that man, they're not going to be able to deal with it. 
Because they're saying you're always making it about you, trying to have your way. Men, if you go into a marriage looking for a woman to take care of you and you always look for a woman to take care of you, when that woman don't do what you want them to do, you mad. Why are you mad? Because you're selfish. See, some men were raised by their mamas. Meaning that they come into a marriage wanting the wife to treat them like the mama treated them. That's not right. This is why you got to have a, a relationship, a connection with God, fellowshipping with him, so you'll know how to treat your wife. Because the Bible says that when a man, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Mom and daddy should not be in the middle of that marriage. God should be. He should be the center. So if a man is always pouting because a man want to have his way, or a woman is always pouting because she want to have her way, men don't marry a woman who don't want to cook before you marry her. If she don't know how to cook, say, come on, baby, we'll take some cooking classes together. Some people have areas in their lives where, you know, they're not used to doing this or used to doing that. Come on, you got to wait it out. You got to wait it out. I know no man don't want to go hungry. Help me somebody. No man want to go hungry. I know men have appetites. And no man want to spend their money all the time in restaurants. Especially when you got a house full of kids. If you got a woman that don't know how to cook. That's laying around men before. Don't marry that woman yet. That woman ain't ready. If you got a woman, man, that's telling you, you're going to take care of me and I ain't doing nothing. And you marry her. You don't went from ignorant to stupid. Because you bring in that selfishness. You bring in all of that stuff into a marriage. And you got to live with it. God hates divorce. You better know what you're getting before you get it. That's why you got to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. Anybody will try to steal your heart. You will have a woman bringing you food and she ain't even cooked it. You will have a man riding you around in a car and it ain't even his. Matter of fact, some men expect a woman to drive them around in somebody else's stuff. Come on, selfish. So you better know what you're getting before you get it. Because if you don't, you're going into a marriage and you're going to be unhappy. And somebody's going to get hurt. Amen. Know what you get before you get it. You better raise them up while you're single. You better teach them in the way of the Lord. Amen. So we see what being submissive is. Let's go back to. I'm going to go to Ephesians. 5 verse 21 through 33 let's read that right quick listen at this submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the lord because this is the way god intend for it to be submitting yourselves this is the man and the woman husband and wife listen at this wives submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the lord let me tell you what that means a wife does not submit to a husband that's not being submissive unto god do y'all hear what i say Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Wives, do not submit to a man that's not submitting unto the Lord. It's the, oh, I'm going to get deep with this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
Now, I'm going to stop there because I'm going somewhere. What does it mean for a husband to be head over the wife? We're going to get this um, in its proper place right now. Listen at this. This is what this means. God made Adam first. He gave Adam information first to pass along to his wife. His leadership was based upon knowledge. Adam was to instruct Eve in the way of the Lord. Adam, Adam was the covering for the family. That covering, y'all, was based on responsibility. It was based on the information that God had given Adam. Listen at this. Headship is not rulership. It is leadership. Man, you do not rule over a woman. You lead a woman in the way of the Lord. That's what headship means. The husband decides where they are going. The wife decides how they're going to get there. That's how it's supposed to work. The husband decides where they're going. The wife decides how they're going to get there. Direction is the first step. Action is the second. That's how it's supposed to work. Headship is not based upon physical strength, y'all. Listen at this. Man is stronger from the waist up. Do we agree, women? Women are stronger from the waist down due to the physical stress and pressure of childbirth. So guess what? We help one another. Satan tactic is to make, well, before I go there, let me wrap that up. Do everybody understand what God means by a man being the head? It does not mean that a man rule over a woman. It means that a man lead the woman in the way God will have that woman to go. That's why the Bible says that the husband loved the wife as Christ loved the church. Women, if you got a husband that's never in the word of God and trying to lead you, they will lead you wrong. If you got a husband that's in the word of God and they're giving you what the word of God is saying, they're leading you in the way of the Lord, they're taking headship that way. They're not dominating you. They're not ruling over you. They're not saying, hey, I'm the priest of this home. You go fix my plate. You don't do that. And if you got a husband that's leading you in the way of the Lord, he's taking the the Bible, he's taking instructions from the word, and he's carrying it out in his home in a submissive way, in a loving way, not giving you something that he wouldn't do, not saying something that Christ would say. He's leading in the way of the Lord. And women, if he's leading in the way of the Lord, you submit. If he's doing things in the way of the Lord, you submit. That's how it works. That's why man is head. Um, Gentlemen, quit using. I'm the priest. If you are a priest, you need to be acting like one as unto the Lord. If you're not acting like Christ would act. If you're not doing what Christ would do, if your life ain't lining up or reflecting him, if you're not showing the character of him, your wife should not follow you. It should be equal, y'all. Submitting one to another. I can submit to my husband because I know he submits unto the Lord. I don't have a problem. The only problems we probably would have if, if we come into a disagreement, if the Lord is showing me something, he may not understand it then or showing him something I may not understand then, but I have to pull myself away and say, okay, Lord, show me. He has to ask the Lord to show him. But guess what? God is first in our home. Whether I'm upset or whether he upset, God is first. 
So that's why we have to be in the word of God to know what the word is saying. Because some men will take money and spend it on foolish stuff and your lights is out. You have to have a man that seeks God first and foremost. That man don't go out and get dressed up and the lights are cut off. That man don't just get something because everybody else got it and want to look good and knowing it can't be paid for. You don't go along with that. Nope, not the day. We're one. Your money is my money. My money is your money. That money ain't going on that. No way, no how in a loving way. Nope, it ain't the time for that. The Bible said those that see, this is why you have so many women that you see running a household because you got men that don't know how to do it. It's the truth. If a man is going to be ahead, they have to be in that headship position. Let me tell you this. If a man said he's saved and he loved the Lord and tell you, you're not going to pay tithes, the devil is a lie. How can he say he loved the Lord and telling you, you ain't giving that church no money? Did that line up with the scripture? But you're supposed to submit to that. No, that ain't what the word of God says. Right? So whatever that man put in your hand, you're going to tie it on it. <laughs> right? But why put a man over something that don't even know how to manage nothing? God don't work like that because he's going to mess up your home. Some people don't want to hear that. Let's see what happened in the garden. Now, y'all done went over Genesis. Y'all, we just staying in Genesis. I went over Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Now we're going to see how chaos come in the garden. Remember how Adam and Eve was. They were equal. They were working together. Both of them had dominion. They were walking side by side, right? Adam knew how to love his wife until the book of Genesis. We know what the enemy done. He came in. He deceived Eve. Eve ate the fruit from the tree. Guess what? It's not that she wasn't told. Adam, as head, gave Eve what God gave him. Did he not? Yes, he did, because Eve repeated exactly what Adam said, except she added touch in there, right? So Adam was the head. He was the first one that God spoke to about it. So he delivered it to who? To Eve, his wife. But guess what messed Adam up? Adam was the head to lead that family. He had the responsibility. When Eve took a bite of that fruit, Adam, as the head should have not taken a bite of that fruit, but he followed Eve, did he not? That's when he lost his headship. This is when Adam was the one that was responsible for Eve, was he not, for his family. He was there to protect his family. He was there to love his family. He was there to show his family the way of the Lord. Men, that's what you're supposed to do as a husband. You're supposed to protect your wife. You're supposed to show her the way of the Lord. You're supposed to reflect God. A woman ain't going to have a problem following a man that has those characteristics. I don't have that problem following my husband until you want a hot rod. <laughs> what you want a hot rod for? Nobody want to hear all that noise. <laughs> but anyway, all jokes aside. But what I'm saying is when a man is submitting unto God, a woman will submit unto that man. Because that man is going to love that wife the way Christ loved the church because he spends time in the word to know how Christ loves the church. So women don't be trying to go out there and pick in and everybody. 
you got to be in a place where you know if that man is truly in love with God. Amen. So listen at this. We know what happened after they ate that fruit. Guess what they began to do? Their fellowship was broken. They were separated from God because God gave them a promise. He said, the day you eat from that fruit, you shall surely die. How did they die? They died spiritually. So they were separated from God. All chaos was in the world. Sin was in the world. Now, listen to what God told Adam. He asked Adam, where are you? This is in Genesis 3, 8 through 13. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Sin will make you hide. How do I know? When a man is committing adultery, he's hiding from his wife. When somebody's committing fornication, they hide. Your sin will find you out. Why you got to hide? If you're bold enough to do it, just do it. Why are you hiding from a wife, apparently, that you don't want? Come on. Because, see, you tasting and seeing. Oh, I'm going somewhere. Somebody say, please hush. So they heard his voice. They hid from him. And the Lord called unto Adam. He said, where art thou? The reason why God asked Adam that, not because he didn't know where he was. He was letting Adam know. He said, now you are responsible. You were responsible as head over your wife. You was there to protect her. He said, you have gotten out of your position. And I want you to take, I want you to take responsibility for what you've done. That's why he asked him, where are you? He wanted him to see where he put himself. Now look at this. He said, I was afraid because I was naked. See, fear came in. Fear came in because they didn't honor the Lord the way they needed to honor the Lord. When we go outside of God, fear does come in. So fear was there. But look what the Lord said. Who told you you were naked? God knew they had eaten from that tree. He was letting Adam know you had a covering. You were the covering for your wife. You allowed this to come in. He wanted him to see where he was. Men, it is time for you to take responsibility. When you know that you have messed up in that home, take the responsibility and say, baby, I messed up. I spent money where I shouldn't have spent it. Forgive me for doing it. Let's work together. Some men don't want to take responsibility. They want to play the blame game. How do I know? Adam said, the woman you gave me, she caused me to eat. Eve said, the, the serpent, he calls me. Nobody want to take responsibility. Men, if you're going to be head of a home, you got to take responsibility for that home and for what happens in that home. And if it's not lining up with God's will and God's way, you have to come in with the word of God and you have to put that home back on track. Women, you got to stop being Jezebels. What is a Jezebel? A Jezebel is somebody that want to be in control, that's saved, who have not gotten their priorities right according to the word of God, want to dictate to that man because they got some issues in their lives that they haven't taken care of before they got married with that man. A Jezebel is hardcore, y'all. A Jezebel want to be in control, and if you don't give her control, she's going to knock you out. A Jezebel don't want to never shut up. Because a Jezebel is, is so dependent 
on the way they did things and how they did things. Ain't no man going to tell me how to do nothing. So Jezebel go in that marriage and say, you listen here. You don't tell me how to do nothing. I tell you. And that Ahab bow, bow, bow down and say, okay. That's not how God intended for it to be. So we want to make sure that if we're going to be submissive, we want to do it according to God and not according to the way the world does it. And when it comes to money, y'all, when you come into a marriage and you come together, whatever that man bring into that marriage belong to you. If it's a pile of debt, it's now yours. If it's a pile of youngins, they are now yours. Because you married him and you married all that he have. Women don't forget, those are your kids. You their mama too. You didn't birth them, but if they're part of him, they're part of you. And you're supposed to love them just like they were your own. Y'all better understand all this. You better know what you're bringing in on the picture. And, and men, you're supposed to love. If that woman got children, you're supposed to love her children just like they're your own. You're supposed to be there for them just like they're your own. Because y'all brought all of this into the marriage. All this debt. It ain't, you're going to pay this debt off. You ain't using my money. Yes, they are. Because if the lights need to be paid and they ain't got it, that's your money. Because they got a lot of debt. Same thing with a woman. Men, you can't marry a woman with a lot of debt. Because you're going to end up paying that debt. Because you're one. Ain't no she money, ain't no he money. It's y'all money. It ain't no his credit or your credit. It's y'all credit. Because if one person's credit is messed up, yours is messed up too. This is why you want to make sure everything is in order before you go into a marriage. It ain't this is my money, this is his money. I'm repeating that for some reason. It's y'all money. Whatever my husband have, I have. Whatever I have, he has. It ain't no more mine, it ain't no more yours. I remember when me and my husband got married, bless his heart. I was the budgeter. We bring in the money and we budget it out and I give him his and I take mine. How many know he spent his before the time he's supposed to spend it? Did I say starve, honey? No, I didn't. Matter of fact, we lived off of $30 a piece for two weeks. But guess what? When he spent his 30, he was welcome to mine. I didn't leave him out in the cold. But I shared with what I had. Did we have ups and downs in our marriage? Yes, we did. We had a lot of them. But we knew how to work it out. Guess how I knew how to work it out? And he knew how to work it out when we came together in Christ. But part of my working out was dealing with my childhood. Because I was brought up in a family that knew how to handle things. Sometimes when you marry opposite, one may not know. The other one may know. But we bring it together and we work it out. I showed him a way of doing. He showed me a way of doing. We worked it out together. Whatever needed to be paid was paid. But let me tell you this, y'all. I messed up in the marriage when it came to finances at one time. And finally, I just got tired of it. So I'm going to throw it back at him. He said, what happened? I said, it don't matter what happened. (laughs) We ain't talking about what happened, man. We just here to get it right. So I'm showing him everything. He gonna scratch his head. If y'all ever see him scratch his head, watch out. If y'all ever see him do like this. Or Jeremy, what's the other sign? Blowing. 
his thinking cap is on. Uh Uh-oh. He asked me again. Now, Amanda, I need to know what happened. I said, you don't need to know nothing. You just need to know to take it from here. See, I didn't want to fess up to my wrong. This is how I corrected him. I said, did you go without any clothes? He said, no. Did you go without eating? He said, no. I said, what is it to talk about? We just here to fix it. The past is the past. But you know what my dear husband told me that day? He said, you always handle it. You continue to handle it. I give you permission. Dang. But guess what? He gave me permission to handle it. And that's how I handle it. And guess what God did? Through me humbling myself, y'all. Through me listening to the spirit of the living God. Guess what? Everything got back on track and things was getting paid and credit score was skyrocketing. See, he trusted me with that. So what am I saying? You got to have God in the center because when you don't, you're going to be hiding some he money and she money. You don't want to trust your husband with money because you know how he does. He's after to get things. But I trust my husband with the money. He trusts me. Even dealing with the church, I have to go to him and say, honey, um, I need to get this for so-and-so and so-and-so. I have to go to him before I get it. Why? That's showing respect. Some people say, why you got to go to him? You the apostle. Because God does things decency and in order. Not only do I go to him, Miss Deborah got me. See, there's an order when it comes to God. People don't want to follow God's order because they're stuck on selfishness. So we have to do it what? God's way and not our way. Now, let's talk about, y'all are moving fast. I got 12 whole pages up here. I'm not giving you everything, but I'm giving you enough to think about. Wait on your mate. (laughs) Don't be so quick. Why get married anyway? Let's talk about that. One thing is God instituted marriage. That's a good reason, right? But let's listen, listen at the unhealthy reasons people get married. To spite parents. To get out from under parents' restrictions. Some people get married to spite parents. Number two, to escape an unhappy home. Meaning a home that's physical, verbal, or sexual abuse is involved. People get married to escape that home. A negative self-image, making them feel worthwhile. They feel like if I get married, you know, it'll change my image. Marrying because of being hurt in a previous relationship. I had a person that... um I was dealing with years ago, they got hurt by this man because they thought this man wanted them so much. This man ended up going for another woman, and when this person found out this man was getting married, they got married. They were hurt in that previous relationship, so they wanted to make this man feel like, I got somebody too. Fear of getting old and not being married. Let me illustrate that or talk a little bit about that. God know your appointed time. God know whom you're ready for or uh, who's ready for you. Some of us have some things in our trunk. Some of us have some ways that we're not willing to let go of. So God know the timing of marriage. He know when we need to get married. He know who we need to be married to. He could be getting you right. He could be getting them right. But when the proper times come, it will be right. Are you going to have situations, even if that's the right person? Yes, you are. But if you've been in your word, you're going to know how to handle those situations through the love of God. 
not through your way, but through God's way. So we have to do it his way and not our way. Because of being pregnant, that is not the right way to be married, to get married. Why? Because if you get married just because that woman is pregnant, that child is going to have an unhealthy relationship in that home. Because that's not the one you want to be with. You just was with them because you got them pregnant. And people are saying, now you need to marry her. That's what the Bible says. I ain't seen nowhere in that Bible. The Bible tells me that you ain't supposed to come together anyway before you get married. Now you're outside the Bible. Now you want to get married because she's pregnant. No. Because that child will go through some unhealthy things in that relationship. Because what they would hear, I shouldn't have married you. I only married you because you was pregnant. I didn't want no child anyway. Who's getting hurt? The child. And another thing that people marry for is money. He got a lot of money. Or she got a lot of money. He or she will take care of me. So we marry because that person have money and think that money is going to keep us. That's not true. So there's seven things that people use on why they get married. Y'all probably have some more. But people get married for some of these reasons. And then, let me give you this definition before I forget. Fornication, sexual intercourse between people not married to each other. You do not supposed to be fornicating if you're not married to each other. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. So run away from, flee, stay away from sexual sins. Every other sin people do is outside their bodies, but those who sin sexually sin against their own body. Adultery is voluntary sexual activity between a married person and someone other than his or her spouse. That's committing adultery. Proverbs six thirty two. Listen at this. A man who takes part in adultery has no sense. Lacks heart, he will destroy himself. Now, let's talk about divorce. God hates divorce, y'all. You can go back to Matthew 19, 3 through verse 9. It tells you about divorce and how divorce came up under the law. And that's not the way that God wanted it to be in the beginning. And then when you go to 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 15, it lets you know about um a person that is saved when you uh, a saved person and an unsaved person you do not suppose to marry a person that's not saved that means you unequally yoked but if you do marry them the sanctified wife will sanctify the husband and children will set them apart if the husband is saved and the wife is not saved the sanctified husband will sanctify the wife and the children but if the unbeliever want to leave the Bible say, let them leave. And then you're not held accountable. Why? Because that was not the way God instituted marriage in the beginning. Also, the only way you can get a divorce is for adultery. Is for adultery. So if adultery is committed in the marriage, and that marriage was already ended right then. But if the woman or the man decide to forgive then you need to go through some counseling. You need to get in the word of God so you can get through it together. Amen. So wrapping up this whole conference, y'all done went through 12 pages. Ain't that something? 12 whole pages, it's a lot, right? But it's more to it. The whole benefit is to let you know from beginning to end the way God wants things to be. Marriage is not easy, y'all. Everybody look at everybody in marriage and think, 
Oh, they got it going on in that house. We have ups and downs. That's why it says for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. Unto death do you part. That's how marriage should be. When you stand up there and take those vows, before you take those vows, you need counseling with a pastor that's going to make sure that you're coming into alignment with what the word of God says. If that pastor see that either or have areas in their lives that need to be worked on before you come together, that pastor should be able to say, Sue, it's not time yet for you. You know, you're not ready. I see you have anger issues. The Lord is going to show that pastor through talking to either or the issues that they're going to bring into that marriage to make that marriage a messed up marriage, to make you not want to be together. Through thick and thin in a marriage, that husband and wife should stick together. The wife should be above the children. The husband should be above the children. But God is above it all. No man should put his children above his wife. If that has happened, it is wrong. That is your wife. That's bone of your bone. That is flesh of your flesh. So what I'm saying today is we have these conferences to let people know how things should be. People are doing things the way the world is doing it. They're married one day, they divorced the next, and they with another man. Done had 20, 30 men or women that they have been married to, and it don't bother them. They think it's normal. That was not God's way of being and God's way of doing. So what we need to do is go back through everything that I have taught on today. And we need to get it deep-rooted in our heart. And we need to tell people the truth. If you've been in this conference and you're hanging around people that are thinking about getting married... Open up the word of God to them. You can be their counselor according to the word of God. You can give them testimonies in your life to show them this is the way God intended for it to be. I pray that through everything that I have went over, it will help you to see God's way, God's pattern for marriage. It would help you to see, God, I will wait on you. Even if I feel lonely, I know I have you because you won't leave me, nor shall you forsake me. You're preparing me, God, or you preparing them for me. God don't want us to be in a relationship with any and everybody. He want y'all to be equal. Amen? Amen. At this time... I, Sister Deborah, could you come up here, please? She probably already know what I want. No, I don't want that. I want you to come up here right quick and share a testimony with me. You don't have to share it all. I believe Sister Deborah shared this before, dealing with marriage. And our... um, counseling session that we had with marriage and what God told you. You remember? Okay. Just bring a little bit of it out to wrap it up. Okay. Um, bring it back to my memories. But which I was in counseling almost a year. And um, she told me that she had to let me go because if I, she didn't, I would continue to cling to her but in doing that counseling session I learned that I had to walk in love with him even though he left and with somebody else and um I didn't want to I just wanted to take him on out 
because <laughs> he couldn't tell me why he did me that way. He just went on and left and just left me. I'm struggling trying to make ends meet. I'm worried about where I was going to live. And she said, don't you worry about that. God is going to take care of you. God going to provide for you. And he has. All these, um, like, it's been like, I'll say, 14 years he's been gone. But now, through all of this, through all the teaching, I can talk to him. We talk. Even though he's still with her, he'll call me. I don't have to call him. I don't have to ask him for money or anything. I left you some money at the house. And if I need something done around the house, he'll come and do it for me. And even though the time that I ran into her and him, I treated them with respect, even though neither one of them wanted to speak to me. And even though if I see them again, she gets mad and starts in on him. I say, hey, you got to deal with that. I ain't got to deal with that. <laughs> you got that. That's what you asked for. That's what you got. So I go on about my business. Now, can y'all say, now when she was in the home and he was treating her wrong, she said she still treated him in a respectful manner. She still showed the love of God. Even when he left and she knew who he was with, what was she showing? So the reason why they really didn't want to see her, because who were they seeing? And what was they seeing? What was done? This is how it's supposed to be, y'all. That's why I use Sister Deborah. Women, if a husband is cheating on you, why beat up the woman? The husband is your husband. Why choose to beat her down? That's what he chose. See, we got it backwards. It shouldn't be that way, y'all. It should never be that way. That man went to that woman, and that woman accepted that man. Why be mad at that woman? See, this is some more stuff we got to learn when it comes to... Some people say, well, how can you tell me, and, and, and you way younger than I am, I'm telling you what God is saying. I'm giving you what God is giving me. So I pray that. It's, it's a lot of testimony in this room, and I'm not going to bring everybody up, but it's a lot of testimony in the room that can tell you that... In counseling sessions, we do it the way God wants it to be done, and the outcome is very good when you do it the way God wants you to do it. Go home, check yourselves, married couples, and see, am I in alignment with what I was taught today? Am I still hiding money? Do I still have separate bank accounts? Hello? Some people say, well... If you do have separate bank accounts, that man's name should be on it. If that man or that woman know how to manage stuff, right? Because sometimes people tear up your stuff. That's why you better know who you marry. They'll empty your bank account out. I have one woman, y'all, that was so upset with that man. I'm telling you, it could get real messed up. But through counseling, through her talking, I said, now you got to see your part in this too. You got to see your faults in this too. Sometimes women, we lead men to other women through what we don't do. Going back to the sexual part, if you trying to play nunny, he going to get something from somebody else. Hello? See, I wasn't through with all of that yet. So you can drive your husband somewhere else. 
You can drive him in the arms of another woman if he always got to come home to a nagging woman instead of coming home to a woman that's encouraging him and saying, honey, what can I do? It'll be all right. Just because they did this, you know, you don't have to be that way. God know your heart. Instead of saying, you open your mouth again. They should have fired your tail. But you better go get a job or you ain't staying here. I break you down. And then you tell people not to call people niggas and you call him one. No man want to hear all that. And, and men, no woman want to hear you just too fat. You need to go on Weight Watchers. That's why I'm watching everybody else except you. A woman don't need all that. And you wondering why another man come in her life and treat her nicely. Talk to her nice. Tell her how good she look and you don't never tell her how good she look. If she got missing, you couldn't identify her and say what she had on. The devil always got a male and a female waiting on one or the other. That's why we have to get into the word of God and do what the word tell us to do. And guess what? It'll draw them a drive. Do not be unequally yoked. Wait on your mate. Everybody that say they know God don't know God. And sooner than later, you're going to figure that out. Amen? Amen. At this time, I think Sister Denise have, um, we have parting gifts up front. And hold that too, Sister Denise, right there. Come on, you can come on. Renee, come up here and tell us about the single life. Can she help you? Hi, I didn't realize me and Miss Deborah, I guess we went through the same thing at the same time probably been about 14 years since I've been separated. Um, I was... Just put it up like this, Renee. I was married for 16, 17 years when me and my husband divorced and all of the situations that Apostle was talking about that would bring the vision in a marriage, you know, children, putting parents ahead of um, your spouses and stuff. But anyway, to make a long story short, he left, and um, I was like Miss Deborah. I had three children, two sets of twins, house payment, all of that. And But I had, it's in that, when I was going through that, I had to trust God. I had to either um, go about things the world's way or go about things God's way, the way God did it. And I made a decision that I was just going to trust God, you know, just depending on God for everything. The first thing I knew I had to do was I had to forgive because I hated him like a passion. And, you know, I used to cry out to God and say, God, help me to forgive. And God taught me how to forgive. He helped me to walk in love in spite of. And, um... God is the head of my life. He brought me through everything and even bringing me through everything. He taught me how to walk 
as a single woman putting God. God is everything. Once you accept the Lord in your life and put him ahead of your life and just trust him to do anything, it was so easy for me to be just be alone. Um, people used to ask me, don't you be lonely? Or, don't you miss having a husband? But it's like when I had Jesus, I had everything. You know, people couldn't understand why, why are you by yourself? It's because when I had Jesus, it's like he took up everything. It's been 14 years, and I'm still staying up. I don't have to be. I choose to be because I'm complete in him. Amen. And I want to say, don't get married because you see your friends get married. Do not get married because you see your friends get married, and you figure if they're married, I need to be married. It don't work like that. Amen? Amen. We're going to go ahead and pull at this time. If you got your tickets, we're going to pull to give out these gifts at this time. And we have 866, who have a ticket of 866. 866, okay, Sonia. We have a ticket of 859, Apostle. We have a ticket of 869, 869. You can come on. Yes, you are. And while she's coming up here, whoever have 862, be prepared to come up here next. Jeremy, be prepared to come next. All right, Jeremy. Whoever have 8 Three eight, be prepared to come next. Eight three eight. Yeah, you can get yours away. Okay, eight three eight is coming up next. Eight five seven. And that's Sister Shirley. Eight five three. And that's Evangelist Newton. While she's coming up here, 841. That's Deacon Willie. All right, 
842. Who has 842? Anybody have 842? That's Joe. Eight five zero. Eight five zero. Deacon Newton. Eight five two. Did I do eight five two? That was you. Okay. You eight five two? Jennifer's eight five two. Eight five five. All right, Misha. Eight four seven. That's Renee. Sis needs how many more? I got two. Okay. Just one. Okay. Eight four five. Eight four five is the last one. That's Kimala. All right now. Okay. Now, what I want to do is. Um, before I do that, we're going to get to that one. I need um, a single person, which is Marquisha Jackson, to come up here. Not single, but committed. Come on. And I want you to tell me what you got out of this conference. And then after that, I want one of my three babies back here, either one that want to come up and tell. I see y'all ducking. <laughs> y'all just make a choice. Okay, go ahead, Maquisha. Aquit me. Um, what did you learn on your on your end? What did you get out of the conference? Um, to not rush into a marriage and not want to be married just because some other people are. Um, or if you have other people that's um, always asking why y'all not married yet or when are y'all going to get married, um, it's just God's timing. Um, and you have to work on yourself and the person that you're with needs to work on themselves. Um And just put God first. Amen. Pass it to Shashika. She can come up here and give us her perspective while my three little girls back there getting ready. I think it's just important to remember just to wait on your mate and just, um, just rest in God 
And also the part about submission um, is important as well to think about. So just the fact that a man is not supposed to rule over a woman, but you walk beside each other and um, he leads um, because he's in the, he's walking in the spirit as well, just like um, the female is. So if you're both walking in the spirit, then both of you can easily agree. So just being led by God first and then just waiting on someone that you can be equally yoked with, not only just a sinner and, and a Christian, but even two Christians, just waiting on someone who is where you, where you want to want them to be because you have to be satisfied coming into a marriage. Amen. Amen. Girls, y'all ready? You got to build yourself up first, whether it's relationship-wise or marriage-wise. Just build yourself up in God first. Learn yourself and find the perspective of God's ways to be able to be married or in a relationship. Okay. Now, the last basket that we have, this basket is going to be given away according to a question. Who want to come up here and answer the question? Come on, Carlton. Everybody act like they were scared. scared. Carlton, the question is, when, um, I'm going to give you, wrap up for me, what did I say about sex in a marriage and outside of marriage? Sex in a marriage in God, I mean, God honors sex. God honors sex in marriage, but outside of marriage, that's fornication. You're not supposed to be having sex if you're not married. So God honors Sex and marriage, and even sex in a marriage, though, it's not supposed to be, you know what I'm saying, I mean, hey, perverted. Like you said, the monkey sucking a banana or whatever. It's not supposed to be doing that because that's acts of the world. You know what I'm saying? That's for, and, and that's basically pornography, and that's basically things of, you know what I'm saying, I mean, of the world. And far as, you know what I'm saying, I mean, hey, before you get married, you know what I'm saying, you're not supposed to be, you know what I'm saying, I mean, hey, you know what I'm saying, I mean, going there in the first place. Okay. Next thing, I'm going to ask you another question. Tell me what you learned about submission. What would you say submission is between a husband and a wife? Submission means to me is uh, yielding, giving way to one another. Like you were saying, though, as us being husbands, we, we're not supposed to be, you know what I'm saying, I mean, bodyguards or, you know what I'm saying, I mean, a ruler over our wives. We, we're equal with them. We're one with them, you know what I'm saying, I mean, we're not supposed to, you know what I'm saying, I mean, be, you know what I'm saying, I mean, hey, uh, authoritative. We're supposed to do everything according to the word of God. What God says, you know what I'm saying, I mean, and it's going to be easy for, you know what I'm saying, a woman to submit to a man once he's led by God and doing things according to the word of God. Amen. Okay, you can take the basket. I want to ask somebody that has never been a part of this ministry, or not part of this ministry, if they would like to say what they have learned in this conference today. Who would want to come up here and say? I see three faces I'm not familiar with. So let's see which one want to come. Anybody? Anybody looking like, what? Or what you have gotten out of this conference that helped you? Okay, I guess that, come on. Did you raise your hand, Jeremy? Can she have the mic? Um, yeah. 
I just want to say I really enjoyed the conference. Um, I learned a lot about it, um, especially with the part you were talking about, the sex part. That really kind of like, whoo, I was like, whoa. And I didn't really think about it that we do bring things from the world into our sexual lives as Christians. There was, there's been a big dilemma on the, the part, especially, and I'm going to be frank, the oral sex part. Mm-hmm. There's been a big dilemma between the church, the church and the world on that subject area. You know, and you hit that scripture, you know, they say, well, the bed is not defiled. You know, anything goes in there. You know, but you kind of made it. I was like, wow, I didn't really think about, you know, like that, you know. Because that is something that we do have bought from the world. Mm-hmm. We are in the world, but we're not of the Amen. world. Amen. You know, and I was like, you know, a friend and I, we were talking about that, you know, not too long ago. And like I said, it's been a great dilemma. And like I said, now I can take that and kind of share it because it became visual to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you do get closer to God, being a single woman, you know, I've been married. And I'm going to be honest, I've been married a couple of times. You know, two times I wasn't saved. The third time I was saved and I knew the Lord. But me and my fast self, <laughs> I wanted to hurry up and get married. Because the enemy knows your weaknesses. And he knows, you know, I, I, I always, they always call me a warrior. My family said, you'll do anything. You go. But they didn't know that I battled loneliness, you know. And so, you know, I went out and found my husband. You know, but I found one. He went to church with me, came to prayer meet with me and everything. <laughs> and I was like, this is the one, you know. But you get those red flags, especially when one of the prophets come to you at the service and say, that ain't your husband. And you're like, I'm still going to do what I want to do. That is my husband. This man is the first man I met. He comes to church with me. He prays with me at home. He even told me, I ain't want to even touch you two after we get married. I was like, okay, this the one. This got to be the one. That wasn't the one, you know. That was all me because that's what he told me to marry me. And I think that was the worst hurt of my life because he married me for what I had, you know. And it was the worst hurt of my life because he married me because what I had. And I pulled him out of his mama's house at 50 years old. I should have known better that anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and I got me somebody five years younger than me. I know I'm going to get my groove on. Everything's going to be good now. Now, Lord, I can live for you, and I can go home and get my groove on. And I ain't got to worry about the enemy bothering me with my flesh. I don't have to worry about that battle. But I battled that more. And I'll tell anybody, and you didn't mention that one, don't get mad because you think you want to just have sex. Because that has nothing to do with marriage. Amen. It's between God ordains you with that person for his purpose. That's right. Amen. And I tell you, and I say, and I could testify to this. I married that man, and we went on our honeymoon. And God, I think, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I looked over at him, and I said, he don't want me. He didn't want me. He, and the Lord showed me, he wanted you for what you can offer him, what you could give him, a roof over his head. You got three vehicles out there, so I'm, I could drive one of them. You know, and I tell people that's the worst hurt, that somebody t- 
took me through. I've dealt with a man cheating on me better than a man laying in the bed with me, not wanting me. And so it made me reflect on myself. Is something wrong with me? Am I ugly? What's going on with me? So I'm telling you that to say this. Wait on God. I am content in my singleness. I am so content in my singleness now. I've never been that content. I went on a 50-day fast, and God showed me everything I needed to show me. And he told me, he showed me how to rest in him. My sister told me yesterday, she said, you're not married. She said, I, I haven't heard from you. Um, you got a man? I said, no, I don't have a man. That season has passed, and God has put me in a new season. You know, and be honest with you, I don't go looking. I don't go looking. I had that spirit. I'm going to look and see. I don't go looking. I'm content. I'm well. I'm fine. I'm spiritually healed. Amen. God has spiritually healed me. Amen. You know, that's a bad feeling when somebody doesn't want you. But God let me self-reflect. And he says, I'm your husband. That's right. And that's who I got to look to first. But I appreciate you. I thank you for the gift. I thank you for the love. And you'll see me again. Amen. I think that wrapped up the conference. Because it put a lid on everything that was taught to let people know. There go the testimony right there. So we thank everybody for coming. And we thank everybody for what they have given towards the conference. And I'll let Sister Denise close out the conference. As I was sitting over here, I, the God told me to go ask my husband a question. So I went and asked him. And he said, sure. There are two guests in here. We had three guests today. One guest got something. The other two didn't. And I want to give this to them, letting them know that God loves you. You are the apple of his eye. And he's always there for you. Amen. And now we're getting ready to turn out. If you have been blessed by the word of God, Today, through Apostle Amanda Bryant, where God used her to tell us about being single, saved, and satisfied, and being married, saved, and satisfied. As you go out the door, there's an offering bucket sitting to the right. Just drop your offering in there, and remember, Miracle Temple doors are always open. We have church on every Sunday. Sunday school starts at 